Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. It's Let's ride. Decided before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's up, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline, the home of your 2020 World Series champion, Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers are World Series champs. I'm going to let everyone here say we are champs or whatever they want. Let's go. Kevin, you just gave me chills just saying it, dude. Oh, my God. It's just the best feeling in the whole world. I think that Obviously, this is something we all have been waiting for our entire lives. We are a generation of Dodgers fans that have not, that, that were not alive when they won our last championship in 1988. So we've never known a championship team up until this year. And it was everything that I had imagined. Obviously, it would have been nice to get that clincher in Los Angeles and Dodgers Stadium with all of the fans there. But to be honest, I just wanted a championship in my lifetime, and we got it, and it is, it is a huge relief, huge relief off of our shoulders. I'm super pumped. I couldn't be happier. Uh, this has been a long time coming. Uh, I've waited my entire life to see this, uh, and it couldn't have happened to a, a better group of, of guys. Uh, Kershaw deserves this more than anyone, Turner, Jansen, all of them. Uh, and I, I was so, so happy. Uh, to see this finally get done. Uh, they, you know, they, they did it. They, they finally did it. And uh, I'm just so happy for all the fans out there, all the, you know, and it, it's, it's just remarkable. I really don't even know how else to describe it. Uh, you know, I already smoked my victory cigar. Uh, I ran up and down. I, you know, took my shirt off and danced. I, I've done all of it. Uh, and I, I'm just, I'm just thrilled, thrilled. So Dave Roberts is the, first manager since the great Tommy Lasorda 
to get the Dodgers over the hump. So I even give credit to Dave Roberts. We're going to dive into the games and talk about what he did right during game six and other parts of the series. And what else was special about 1988 was the Los Angeles Lakers were also champions of the world that same year. So 32 years later, this time it's a little different because it was about a 17-day separation, but the Lakers and Dodgers have made Los Angeles the title town once again. Huge. Absolutely huge. And one of the the things that I was uh, most – well, that just warmed my heart, I guess you could say, is that I got to watch it with my dad who, you know, introduced me to Dodger baseball, introduced me to baseball. He actually grew up a New York Giants fan, and then he became a Dodgers fan after the Giants traded Willie Mays to the Mets. He was so upset. He loved Willie Mays more than anything. And so he became a Dodgers fan. My grandfather was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan because of Jackie Robinson. So it's been in my blood for years. And to get to watch it with him, give him a big hug after winning this was just the best. And the one thing he always said to me after each failed attempt that we've had over the last 32 years is that he was always disappointed that like I never got to see a winner. And for him, I think it was just a prideful moment for him, for his, for his son to get to see this glorious thing that I, you know, I've never seen before in my life. And it, it was just incredible. And David's right. Couldn't happen to a better group of dudes. And uh, these guys are world-class and just, they're just hard not to root for. They're just really good guys. And just seeing the emotion on Kershaw and Barnes and Seeger and Gonzalez and Urias sharing some tears and some hugs. It was just great. Yeah. I mean, this is for all the teams that we've, we've all seen over the years, you know, for, for Luis Cruz, for Chad Billingsley, for all, everyone that we've, we've seen. Chad Cruder. Chad Cruder, every name, every single former Dodger, uh, you know, some great, some not great. Uh, this is, this was a long time coming and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just truly a wonderful thing for, for everyone to have witnessed. And, you know, I, I never want to hear the end of this. We don't have to, you know, 19, 1988 was great. Kirk Gibson's great. Uh, but now we got new highlights to watch. Uh, we don't have to watch, you know, the, uh, the Kirk Gibson highlight every year and say, is this the year? No. Now we can watch, you know, the highlight of Julio Arias capping off a 32-year drought. I'm also very thankful that Vin Scully got to witness the Dodgers win another World Series. I would have loved for for them to have won in 14, 15, or 16 when he was still the announcer. And we were very close in 2017. But thank goodness Vin Scully gets to see at least one more Dodgers World Series trophy and including Clayton Kershaw, who he announced for many years. Uh, The other thing I want to mention about Clayton Kershaw, he did it. This was the last missing thing on his resume. You know, the media was always attacking him because he didn't have that World Series trophy. Well, now he does. In my mind, he needs to be a unanimous Hall of Famer, three-time Cy Young Award winner, one of the all-time lowest ERAs for a starting pitcher, an MVP, an all-star game starter, you name it. Kershaw, when his time comes, I want to see him have 100%. Will we get that? Who knows? And I think... Kershaw was a Hall of Famer, regardless if he ever oh, yeah. won a World Series trophy. Oh, yeah. Well, that's I mean, not a just thing. That, that's always been uh, a lock. And so, 
but just the joy on his face the 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 you know just the sigh of relief you could almost see it in his eyes and i thought that uh fox did a great job of like having a cameraman just dedicated to Kershaw and just following him from the bullpen all the way to the dog pile. That was awesome. Just to see his emotion because we were, you know, basically living vicariously through him. We've all seen him since he, you know, came into the league and in, in what was it? 2008. 2008. Yeah. We've all seen that. And we've, we've, we've essentially grown up with Kershaw as our guy, as the best pitcher we've ever seen in our lifetime. And so for him to get that, it's just it's just phenomenal, and I think that it's it's the biggest deal for him, and I'm super happy for him. Yeah, and just just to, just for the haters, I'm just gonna read his his postseason stats. First start, eight innings, no runs, 13 Ks. Quality start, win. Second start, six innings, three earned runs, six Ks. Quality start, win. Third start, five innings, four runs, four Ks, with a little help from Dave Roberts, so that line would look a little bit better. Fourth start, six in the World Series, six innings pitched, one earned run, eight Ks, quality start, win. Final start in the World Series, 5.2 innings, two earned runs, six Ks, and the win. The narrative is done. It's over. Good night to the narrative because it's dead. That's a 293 ERA, five walks, 37 strikeouts in the postseason. I don't ever want to hear any, any bad thing about this guy ever again. This guy showed up when it counts. The narrative is dead. He got a ring, and it's over. Good night. Sorry, haters. You're going to have to find something else to poke about uh, because that, that is dead. And if you think about it, like, because a big knock on Kershaw was that he didn't pitch well in the 2017 World Series. And then we found out what happened. But if you go back and look at that World Series, he pitched an amazing game in game one. I think yep. he went about seven innings and he got the win. And then he came back in game seven out of the bullpen. And a lot of people were saying, well, why, you know, why wasn't Kershaw starting that game? And a lot of these people are like, you can't have it both ways. You can't say we want Kershaw to start, but we don't want him to start because of his bad playoff history. And I just, just for all those people out there, because I was at game five of that 2017 World Series. It was devastating. I was like, come on, dude, you can't hold a four run or a three run lead. And then to find out what happened, his legacy was almost tarnished for the rest of his career in the postseason. So this was a redeeming postseason for Kershaw, especially on the heels of what happened in 2019. Like this was, this was his time to shine. And I'm so, so thrilled that he was able to come through. Yeah, and when you when you look at the clip of him in the bullpen, there's that brief moment right after they record the out where you see him close his eyes for about a half a second before he starts running, and you can just feel the relief that comes off of his chest after that last out. And that yep. that is what it's all about. Seeing him with the trophy, with his kids there, finally vindicated from all this past, you know, garbage narrative is is was my favorite thing of the World Series by far. All right, let's talk about game six. This one was quite a doozy. Low-scoring affair, only 3-1. to one. Dodgers win, obviously. But you kind of forget this game started off with Tony Gonsolin, who came out of the gates pretty shaky. He allowed a solo home run in the first to Randy Rosarena. There he is again. But then after Gonsolin got his five outs, Roberts gave him the quick hook, and I respect the decision. It just did not look like Gonsolin had it. For whatever reason, he just couldn't seem to find a groove the entire postseason. But that's going to be okay because the Dodgers' bullpen, we're going to dive deep deeper into it in just a second because I know you guys probably got some things to say. 
they really held it down. They were phenomenal. They went seven and a third scoreless innings. Alex Wood looked like he was on a mission. He pitched two scoreless innings, no hits, three strikeouts. It was the best we've seen from Alex Wood of the entire season. After that, you know, Pedro Baez came in. He got the job done. But I'm going to now take us through to the other side where Blake Snell for the Rays was absolutely dealing. And that's not an over-exaggeration. As we all watched the game, like the Dodgers had no answer for him. He was generating so many whiffs. He had nine strikeouts. And then we get to the sixth inning, one out. Austin Barnes at the plate. He lines a 91-mile-per-hour single into the shallow infield. He gets on base. And so what does Kevin Cash do? He has Nick Anderson warming up in the bullpen. And Snell, to his disbelief, is taken out. He lets out an F-bomb. And of all the poor managerial decisions that Dave Roberts has done in the past, maybe besides the Kershaw of last year coming out of the bullpen, this one tops everything i'm talking about rich hill the multiple affairs when he got pulled out too soon this one was even worse so as a dodgers fan having to watch so many dave roberts blunders it was so refreshing to be on the opposite side and have things go our way for once yeah in hindsight you leave snell in in that scenario right but for me if you're going to take him out because they're so analytically driven and they're, and they're scared of the third time through the order. But if you take a look at, you know, the breakdown that John boy did, it it looked like Snell actually got a little bit better third time through the order. But if you're going to take him out, which there is an argument to be made because his velocity was not as sharp as it was through the, you know, uh, innings prior. But why do you bring in Nick Anderson? Like that to me was like the, dumbest decision it's like you have all of these relievers ready to go better relievers nick anderson up until that point had given up a run in six consecutive outings and you're bringing in a guy to face mookie betts who just destroys right-handed fastballs it makes no sense none of that made sense i knew as soon as kevin cash came out of that dugout to take out snell it was over i knew the dodgers were going to come back it just was like we needed that. That was a huge lift for us because we weren't touching Snell up until that point. Yeah, and, and if you do look at the anal- – because a lot of people are, are blaming, you know, oh, analytics made this decision. Well, actually, if you look into it, the analytics don't support that decision whatsoever. Basically, every metric, if you look at it, says Snell should have stayed in that game. Uh, like Jake said, he, he's actually better the third time through the order, and Mookie Betts is significantly worse – uh, the third time he faces a starting pitcher. It's bad. Like, if you look at his stats, he's hitting, like, 100 with, like, a 300 OPS or something. It, it's bad. Uh, so it's it's not really analytics to blame. It's, it's This is just on Kevin Cash, I think, uh, possibly the game plan. But then to bring in Anderson, who's given up runs, and I think it was his six last appearances, instead of Castillo, your best reliever for the top of the order, when we've seen Cash use his closer in the fifth or the sixth inning before, is just a puzzling decision especially for someone who's regarded as one of the best managers in baseball. Uh, it, it, was, it was a gift, and the Dodgers capitalized. Uh, but let's not forget, and let's give credit to Austin Barnes, who, who basically forced their hand there uh, by getting that single off Snell. Uh, what we saw, I know Kevin is, is having a good time listening to this, but what we saw from, from Austin Barnes in this World Series cannot be understated. 
Uh, I mean, that dude pulled his weight and then some. Barnes love is coming for sure. Saving that for its own little moment. But back to this Nick Anderson stuff. Besides the Mookie advantage, I mean, against lefties, which Snell was, he was batting 200 during the regular season with no home runs and only two RBIs. Versus righties, Mookie was hitting 323 with all his 16 home runs. And then besides that fact, Nick Anderson was on a horrible stretch. Six consecutive appearances where he allowed at least one run. This ended up being the seventh. I just do not understand it. And besides that, Nick Anderson wasn't striking anyone out as well. So there must have been a major glitch in their system. So anyways, Mookie Betts is going to double. We got second and third. It's like the next pitch or the second pitch to Corey Seager. Wild pitch. Austin Barnes scores. We got a tied ball game. And then Corey Seager lines one up to the first baseman. But Mookie's base running, just some of the best I've ever seen ever from a Dodger. He's already scoring. So then Corey Seager reaches first base. And that's going to be that inning. Two to one. Dodgers just hold it the rest of the way. Julio Urias. Well, Julio Urias is going to come in eventually. I'll give this one to David. I know he's got some love for how good Julio's been this postseason, but it's just amazing what he did for us. Yeah, I mean, you know, Corey Seager deserves the World Series MVP, sure. Uh, But if there was a postseason MVP for the Dodgers, I'm not so sure it's not a co-MVP between Corey Seager and Julio Urias. What this guy did in the postseason is one of the best pitching performances of all time. 23 innings pitched, a 1.17 ERA, 29 strikeouts, four walks, four wins, and one save. Uh, that, That includes 16 straight outs to end the NLCS and the World Series combined. They don't win without this guy. And we've heard a lot of, you know, Oh, what's, when's Julio Arias going to be good? You know, there's too much hype around this kid. I, I'm not seeing a lot out of it. Well, we saw it. We saw it. We saw what this guy can do. He is just as vital to the success as anyone on this team. They don't win without him. Uh, and this kid is, is a superstar. I believe he's still only 24. Uh, he's been with the Dodgers for like seven or eight years. Signed when he was 16 out of Mexico, along with Victor Gonzalez, who I also want to give credit to. Uh, but, man. I haven't seen a pitching performance like that in a long, long time. I'm also so happy that Roberts stuck with him. I, I, I yeah. thought that that yeah. was such a good move. Just, just kind of breaking away from the, oh, we've got to have Urias for one inning, one inning then Trine and then Jansen, you know, sort of the script that, that we've seen play out. But it was like, it was a, it was a feel of the moment decision, I felt. If it just felt like Julio Urias was on a roll. They weren't touching him. Let him stay in the game. Have guys up and ready to come in if he, if he were to slip up. But he wasn't going to slip up. This guy was all class. And, like, for him to close out Game 7, close out Game 6 of the World Series, Game 7 of the NLCS, I mean, what, 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 what more could you want, really? And I know we'll get into uh, uh, Dave Roberts, but – I really enjoyed the fact that he went for it in this game. He didn't, he didn't play this game like he had one more to play. He played this game as if this was the only game that he had left to play. And to just knock it out in game six was huge. I, I did not want to see a game seven. And who knows if we, you know, if we would have had a game seven or 
however long that would have taken given what happened with Justin Turner after the game. But I was so happy with the way that uh, Roberts just was like, we're, we're not losing this game. We are shutting them down, bringing in Floro to pitch to a Rosarena. I mean, that dude was just painting. Got Rosarena out pitches. on like three, three pitches. Three pitches. Unbelievable. Yeah, and just on the Roberts-Arias thing, Julio basically forced Dave's hand. He literally did not give up a base runner when he was brought in to finish the NLCS or the World Series. And credit to Dave Roberts for not overthinking it. He, he, he saw what Julio was doing, and he said, okay, let's ride. Uh, and we've seen other managers. We've seen him. We've seen Dave do it where he's pulled the guys in that situation. And it, it seems like he's learned a lot from this past. And just if he sees Julio you know, rolling – He's going to let it ride. And my hat is off to Dave Roberts. He, he deserved this championship too. Yeah, let's talk about Dave Roberts. First thing I want to say is he completely outmanaged Kevin Cash in this World Series. Yep. It wasn't even close. And that's very surprising given what Cash's reputation had been prior to this final series. But the two biggest blunders I noticed from Cash, obviously the Nick Anderson thing we just talked about, and then in game one, allowing Tyler Glass now to throw 112 pitches is kind of mind-boggling considering he pulled Blake Snell on 73 pitches. So we're talking about like a 40-pitch difference. So I don't understand what made Glass now okay to pitch that many, throw that many pitches when his velocity was clearly diminishing too. And off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure the Dodgers scored at least three or four runs after Glass now had exceeded the 73-pitch threshold. So... Yeah, I agree with uh, Julio Urias forcing Dave to ride his hand. Exceptional job. And the last thing I want to say is, who would have thought the Dodgers would win a bullpen game decided by two runs or less where they didn't even need to use Blake Trinan, Kenley Jansen, and Dustin May? It's, that just shows you how good these other guys stepped up in this final game. Yeah, I mean, you, you just can't say enough about Dylan Floro, Alex Wood, Pedro Baez, Victor Gonzalez, who, by the way, had an incredible postseason, was brought in in some of the most clutch, you know, high-stress high situations you could possibly dream of, uh, and he showed up. Uh, this is a guy who almost quit baseball a few years ago, was crying after games in the minors, wanted to go home to Mexico, uh, and he stuck with it, and his good buddy Julio Rios was the one to finish it off. Uh, and it's, you know, you can't say enough. Gratterall did his job. Uh, everybody did their job. And, you know, if you, seven point seven and a third innings of, of shutout baseball from the bullpen is absolutely remarkable. Here's one thing about, about managing in this day and age that is, is far different than what it, what it used to be, is that you obviously can't ignore the analytics. You have to pay attention to those numbers and you got to play the matchup game and you have to, you know, use those numbers to support your decisions uh, throughout, throughout the rest of the game. Right. But it also has to be a mixture of feel of, of reading, of reading the room, of watching the game, of knowing that your guy a doesn't have it or B has it and don't take him out. And I think that Kevin cash, while he is regarded as a great, as a great manager, he didn't show up when his team needed him. And when you look at Dave Roberts, he did. And there were a lot of moments that the three of us got on Roberts for, and rightfully so, because it doesn't make any sense why one game he would manage so poorly and another game he, he would manage pretty perfectly. 
Now, a lot of that has to do with the players performing, but even if you looked at what happened in game six, those were the right moves. Those were the exact right moves. So even if they didn't work out, you could still say, yeah, that made sense at the time. But decisions like bringing in Pedro Baez with runners on base and leaving him out there and, that, and those sort of decisions, those are head scratchers. But it's no coincidence that the Dodgers won the World Series because Dave Roberts managed well. It's no coincidence. It really isn't because those things go hand in hand. I think as a Rays fan, you got to be really frustrated post-game when Kevin Cash was at the podium with a smile on his face and he was asked the question, given the same circumstance, would you make the same decision? And he said with a grin, absolutely. So I don't know what's going on with Cash. Maybe he's become a little too full of himself or what, but something just wasn't right there. I don't know what his issue with Snell has been, but he has not been letting him ride the entire season. I know, but for me, it's more about Nick Anderson than it is about Snell because there are arguments to be made for letting Snell, you know, stay in the game, stay in the game or taken out because Mookie Betts could have easily come up there and hit a two run home run. And then, you know, you've got to answer those questions, but if you are going to take out Snell, you got to put in someone better than Nick Anderson. And, and I get it. Nick Anderson's been the guy for the Tampa Bay Rays throughout the whole season. He's been a great reliever. But in the postseason, he's not been good. And so it's a bit of a, you know, a Pedro Baez situation where it's like this guy's good when he has a clean inning. But, you know, when you put him in a situation where he's, you know, not thrived historically, why would you do that? Yeah, here's the difference between what Roberts and Cash did. So Nick Anderson was their guy for basically the whole season. And even in the NLCS, uh, where he pitched wonderful against the uh, Yankees, uh, or the, uh, the DS. NLDS, uh, ALDS, he was that guy up until that moment. But that's not the Nick Anderson that we saw towards the end of the ALCS and the World Series. And Kevin Cash was bringing in what he thought was the earlier version of Nick Anderson, not the current version. So he wasn't reacting to the current Nick Anderson. And what Dave Roberts did was reacted to the current personnel day by day on his roster. He knew that Trinan and Arias and Gonzalez are his guys in this moment. He ignored what was whatever it was in the past, uh, whatever it was a month ago, maybe Kenley Jansen was the guy. Maybe, you know, Gratterall was the guy. He ignored that. He said, look, today, on this date, Julio Arias is the guy. And Kevin Cash failed to do that. He, he, he managed the World Series as if the players were from a month ago. He refused to adapt. And my hat is off to, to Dave Roberts for, for doing the opposite and helping the Dodgers win the World Series. Well, that's the thing. It's like you got to know your team. You got to read the room. You got to watch the game. You got to know what you know what your relievers are capable of. And if he's looking so analytically about third time through the order, I'm sure he knows that Nick Anderson had given up a run in six consecutive appearances, and then it became seven. So, you know, if you're going to use numbers to make to influence your decision, you got to consider all of the numbers. I think. Yeah, and the numbers don't even back up that decision. Mookie Betts right. destroys fastballs from right-handed pitchers and is, is very poor, at least this year, on breaking balls from lefties. And again, third time through the order, when, he's, when, when Mookie Betts faces a starter for the third time, his numbers are terrible this year. And the numbers don't back up Cash's decision. So it's just puzzling. 
And on top of that, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager were a combined 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. So I, I don't think they were going to get a hold of him. That, that managerial decision woke up the Dodgers. You know, we, we've heard it already a million times now, but they all said they were just pumped up in jazz that Snell was actually coming out of the game because they couldn't see him whatsoever. And that just that awoke that as Joe Boo, major league reference, it awoke in the bats. Yeah, yeah. So and also, you know, that that home run by Mookie Betts too in the yeah. later innings, like yeah. that was huge because you go from uh, Tampa Bay having a shot to tie it up with one swing to now you got to put someone on base yeah. to tie it up. It's a huge difference in that game. Yeah, that was the biggest insurance home run I've ever seen in Dodgers in history. Dodger history. Yeah. I want to talk about Rob Manfred real quick because this guy is just a weirdo. After the Dodgers doing the trophy celebration, you know, we have to hear from Manfred. It's just part of the protocol. I don't know what was, what was wrong with this guy. I don't know if he was drunk or something was going wrong health-wise. Well, I, I it, think what I saw was there's a delay uh, and there's something with a speech prohibitor that you have to wear when you're, you're talking – you put an earpiece in when you're talking to the stadium. So I think it was just that. But he sounded like he was he was not well. <laughs> yeah. And he, he got booed pretty heavily. Yeah, oh, he got, he got booed big time. And you could see you could see Muncie's face, even though he was wearing a mask, you could see his eyes and he was grinning from ear to ear. Uh, and later posted the the Instagram <laughs> caption of him with the trophy saying, Oh, this is a nice piece of metal. So Max Muncie stays petty and he's the best. Love Max Muncy. Go get it out of the ocean. Oh, yeah. just, he's just great. All right. Now I want to talk about some key players that we haven't really given their fair timeshare yet. So I'm going to start this one off with, of course, Austin Barnes. I'll start it like this. When the season began, maybe even before the season began, I saw something in this guy that no one else clearly saw, and that was this is a defensive leader behind the plate. Yes, the pitch framing is not the only great quality about Austin Barnes. You can just tell this guy knows how to call a complete game with whoever pitcher is thrown out there. And then as the season progressed, you could really see the difference between what it was like having Clayton Kershaw throw to Austin Barnes versus Will Smith. The facts speak for themselves other than one bad game, but Kershaw had a bad back, well, twice against the Giants and then against the Braves. So we don't really want to count those. But when Kershaw was healthy, no one could really touch this guy. And that carried over into the World Series. But, I mean, besides that, the Dodgers were 4-0 in the World Series when Barnes was the catcher, 0-2 with Smith behind the plate. He had a catcher's ERA of 2. And I, I realize, like, Smith's bat is great and all, but thank goodness the DH was there because when Will Smith was actually behind the plate, the Dodgers' team ERA was more – in the World Series was about six or five or so. So I don't think Will Smith's bat makes up for those three or four runs that he's given up as a catcher. And I also realize Barnes had Kershaw twice and Bueller, so obviously there's a little bit of an advantage. But to sum this all up, by the end of this World Series, everyone was begging for Austin Barnes to be the starting catcher. They finally realized this is a true leader. The pitchers trust him. Walker Bueller said it himself. He felt the most confident when Austin Barnes was calling games. And not only that, Austin Barnes had a World Series home run. He had that clutch hit to knock Blake Snell out of the game. This guy is kind of like Alex Caruso of the Lakers. 
He might not be the most skilled man on the field, but when it comes down to it, this guy's a gamer. And so Austin Barnes really was one of the difference makers. There were a lot of Dodgers, but defensively and with just his leadership, Austin Barnes, well-deserved World Series champion and probably the best catching performance I've seen throughout an entire postseason since the Giants and Buster Posey made their little run. Definitely the biggest unsung hero for the Dodgers in the postseason was Austin Barnes. And I know that we have had our differences of opinions on young Austin Barnes um, (laughs) starting at the beginning of the season. I I just felt that his – at-bat quality got so much better towards the end of the season and in the postseason. And I think that that was a huge factor in him keeping in the lineup because what was, what was happening at the beginning of the season was it wasn't so much that he wasn't hitting, but that his at-bats were just not there. He, he would, you know, swing at the first pitch. He'd be down on three pitches. Um, He didn't, he didn't battle with two strikes. And so at the beginning of the year, it was sort of like, well, he is sort of an automatic out. And, and for me, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to see him in the lineup 40% of the time versus Smith 60% of the time. And then Will Smith started to, to emerge as a pretty clutch bat. And so you couldn't take him out of the lineup, but you're right, Kevin, as soon as Austin Barnes got behind the plate in the postseason, he was able to command this pitching staff. I felt really comfortable with him behind the plate. I felt uncomfortable with Smith behind the plate. Uh, I'll be, you know, flat out honest. And I think it's, you know, Smith, this is his second year in the league, you know, not even full season yet. And so we got to give him time to develop his catching skills. His, his, his batting skills are off the charts. I mean, just his ability to rise to the occasion in those moments is, is uncanny. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I said it in our last podcast, as soon as the, the facts change, my opinion changes and Austin Barnes got better. And it was be, and I think it had a lot to do with his offensive approach. Um, you know, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't keep him out of the lineup either. Yeah. Look, Austin Barnes had a hell of a performance. Uh, I mean, he, he earned that start. He earned to start. No doubt. Uh, his bat came alive. Uh, and you know, it's, it was a, like you said, Kevin, it was a catching performance for the ages. Uh, that being said, uh, the Dodgers don't get here without Will Smith. They don't. He, his home run in the NLCS basically carried them to the, to the championship. Uh, and when he's like, again, like Jake said, he's, he's young. Uh, so we know what he has to work on in the offseason. He knows it too. You don't just become an elite pitch framer, an elite defender, you know, right off the bat. When you hit like that, when you're, when you're hitting like that, it's, you know, you're not going to be an elite framer, at least at a young age. Uh, so Smith's got time to develop. He's going to be a star. He's going to be the best catcher in baseball within, the, within two years. Uh, and, you know, by, it was great to see that for Barnes because uh, he struggled mightily last year. You know, they sent him down to the minors, uh, and he, you know, he figured out his swing to a degree, and it was, it was very nice to see. He did a hell of a job. You guys can uh, bring the next player up since I went first if you want. All right, <laughs> then let, let's talk about Walker Buehler since we yeah. can talk about him. I mean, this guy, he only got to have one start, and this time it was for a good reason because we didn't want to see his Game 7. In the World Series, he went six innings. No runs, 10 strikeouts, three hits or so, whatever it was. And that's not the only outing. I mean, he has a nine-start stretch now where he has an ERA of about 128, I want to say, that ranks in the top five of 
guys going. The Rays had no answer for him. Bueller, despite having a blister, he was on a tear. He wanted that World Series too, as much as anyone else. As a Dodger fan, you got to feel really good to have this guy in do-or-die situations. I mean, he's Walker F. and Bueller getting the job done. And I, I love how they compare him to Justin Verlander because before Verlander actually went to the Astros, I had a lot of respect for this guy. You know, he's the only pitcher that you could honestly compare to Kershaw maybe until now since Kershaw has a World Series ring. But there's just something similar about these two guys, the velocity, the the pitching movement, the stance, I mean, and just this mentality, like I'm going to go out there and kill whoever's in my way. And I forget who brought this point up, but it was a good one. The fact that he went to Vanderbilt and that that program, that baseball program is so focused on on winning and that's it. I mean, he built that mentality from a very young age. He's always had that within him. And if you want to talk about Mamba mentality, I mean, this dude comes alive when you need him. If you, if, he is a big game pitcher. You want him in an elimination game. And up until uh, we destroyed Charlie Morton, him and, him and Charlie Morton were on, were on par with, you know, whoever, who do you want? With, with your series and your backs up against the wall to pitch in that scenario. You want Walker Bueller. I yep. mean, to go out there with, with the blisters and he had control-ish, even when he was struggling and walking like five guys in the game, they couldn't touch him. I mean, the, to figure out a way to win when you don't have your best stuff is, is, is vintage Kershaw because Kershaw is able to do that. Walker Bueller is able to do that. And he had struggled with his control throughout the whole postseason. And then when you needed him the absolute most, he came out and just absolutely dominated. And that is just an incredible talent to have on your team. It's, it doesn't come by very often. And it is so awesome that he is going to be our ace for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, twenty, like you said, with the blister, which was very clearly inhibiting his breaking stuff, 25 innings, 5 earned runs, 12 walks, 39 strikeouts. And what the strikeout number tells me is he knew that his fastball was his best chance to get hitters out. He went to the well with it time and time again and just punched hitters out. He, he punched him in the mouth. He said, here's my fastball, try to hit it. Uh, and this dude is, is the best big game pitcher in baseball, and I will die on that hill. All right, four other players I want to talk about real quick. I'm going to lump them all together. I mean, there's 28 men on this roster. I could highlight every single one because what made this postseason run so special is it felt like almost every single Dodger had a huge moment one way or another where they contributed to one of these 13 Dodgers wins. So that's what really made this postseason special to me. Like David already talked about the Will Smith home run off Will Smith. That was a turning point, and then the, all the relievers. But so the four guys I want to talk about—they're actually the top four guys in our our lineup, the batting order: Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, and Max Muncie. I mean, Corey Seager was the NLCS MVP and World Series MVP. Enough said about that. The resume speaks for itself. Justin Turner, really happy this guy finally won a World Series. He grew up a Dodgers fan. He had that epic game two 2017 NLCS walk-off and he's just been clutched throughout his entire postseason career for us he tied or he surpassed uh, Steve Garvey for most home runs as a Dodger but the, the guy I'm actually going to focus on is Mookie Betts 
who I was extremely keen on from last off season. I really felt like this is the guy who could put us over the top. And thankfully the Red Sox were stupid enough to trade a franchise player like that for Alex Verdugo, who I think is a great player, but that's not enough. I mean, I know they got Jeter Downs and another prospect, but Mookie Betts is like a once in a lifetime kind of player. And they did that twice first with Babe Ruth, now Mookie Betts. But even though Mookie Betts like offensively didn't light up the box score, he had his big hits. I mean, that double off Anderson, the home run, the stolen bases. I mean, I've said it before. He won America tacos. He had three or four steals that entire series. His base running was just flawless. It looked like he'd been practicing these type of routes his entire life. Defensively, nothing could get past him. He had one bad play. Um, I forget which game it was, but there was something where it got past him. But anyways, robbing people of extra base hits, home runs. He was leap, vertical leaps, like 12 feet in the air. So Mookie Betts, in his first year as a Dodger, did everything he was asked of. He brought us a World Series, one of the few players to win it in both leagues. So I think as Dodger fans, we're very thrilled that we get 12 more years of Mookie Betts. Yeah, you can't say enough about Mookie Betts. And I think one of the things that was kind of eerily similar to the 1988 team and this team, not so much the the, the star power because 1988 was a lot more scrappy and uh, they kind of pulled, you know, scratch runs together and all that stuff. And this was a lot more of a powerhouse team. But um, specifically with Mookie Betts and Kirk Gibson, both of those guys came into spring training and basically said to the team, like, look, you guys got to focus. Like, this, I'm all about winning. You got to get on my level. And if you're not, you're going to be left behind and we're not going to win this thing. You got to act like every single game is game seven of the World Series. And that mentality really carried the Dodgers through all of the hardships that they had to go through this season, especially that 3-1 deficit in the NLCS. And Mookie Betts, not only a leader in the clubhouse, I mean, this guy had been there, what, half an hour? I mean, he got into that clubhouse in spring training and really rallied these troops around him and said, look, I'm going to take you to the promised land. I'm not only going to do it with my words, but I'm going to do it on the field. And he showed us time and time again, he saved us in that Brave series, saved us with his defense, unbelievable plays, those plays, the shoestring catch, the uh, robbing Freddie Freeman of the home run, the robbing Marcelo Zuna, you know, flying back towards the right field wall to make those catches. We don't win that series without him. And, and, and it's just an incredible thing to watch. We've never had a player like this before, like Kevin was saying, once in a generation player. And the fact that he's going to be in Los Angeles for the next 12 years, I mean, what, what more could you want for as a Dodgers fan? Yeah, just just quickly, a couple of the guys I also want to highlight. Obviously, Betts, you know, Seager, Kershaw, Bueller, all of these guys. You can't sleep on what Max Muncy did. Uh, he just got on base the entire series, hit some big home runs, did everything. Uh, and then also, Jock Peterson. I mean, Jocktober is a real thing. He hit 382 in the postseason with a 991 OPS, 13 hits, two home runs, and eight RBIs. Uh, also made a phenomenal defensive play in left field uh, in game five when Dustin May was pitching. Uh, Kike Hernandez, huge home run in the NLCS. Uh, all, everybody contributed. Literally everybody contributed. Uh, they all did their job, and they, and they did it well. Uh, and just again, 
I, I think Dylan Floro getting a Rosarena in that second inning of, of game six was monster. One of the biggest at bats of the entire season for the Dodgers. Uh, and he won't get a ton of credit, you know, in the media won't get a ton. It won't be talked about that often. Uh, but that dude, three pitches, got the best hitter in the postseason out with two men on and, and kept the Dodgers within one run. Uh, and finally, see, like just quickly on Dylan Flora, that is great managing. Like that's knowing your player. That's knowing that a Rosarena hits the fastball better than anybody on the, in the world. And you've got Dylan Floro coming in who has great breaking stuff and just absolutely painted against him. I'll let you continue after that, but like that just has to be said. I mean, it was great managing and great execution. Yeah. I mean, he got him on three pitches and I think it, I think two of those pitches were, were hard stuff too, but, but he does have a, you know, extra break on that fastball, the sinker. Uh, and, and it worked. He's a ground ball guy. Dave Roberts wanted a ground ball and he got the strikeout. Uh, but finally, the, the, the only two guys I want to I want to highlight are, are Victor Gonzalez and Dustin May, uh, two rookies. Uh, Dustin May, the starter, will embrace the bullpen role, didn't complain about it, and thrived in it in Game Five. Uh, they don't win without him. And and Victor Gonzalez in the postseason, just absolutely massive. Pitched in eight games, six and two thirds innings, uh, only gave up two runs, uh, but came up with two of the biggest clutch performances you could ask for. Uh, Again, just everybody contributed. All these guys deserve credit. Every 28 men uh, and more who weren't even on the ro- in the World Series roster, everybody did their job. And just quickly about uh, Tony Gonsolin, because I feel like it needs to be said, and you can call me a Tony Gonsolin apologist if you want, but I honestly think that he was so misused in this postseason that it, that it messed him up pretty bad. And I think it was a huge disservice for him to not pitch you know, the, in the first two rounds, at least get yeah. him, at least get yeah. him ready for the role that he's about to have in the biggest games of his life. He just wasn't prepared. He was a starter. He was he didn't, he didn't even pitch every fifth day because in the regular season, they had him on the alternate site and they brought him back and, and up and down. And so he was a huge reason why we got to the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. And I just feel like they misused him pretty badly and it screwed him up pretty good. And uh, it's unfortunate that he didn't have a better postseason. Um, that, that deserves to be said. Also, A.J. Pollock didn't have a great postseason, but he's also another reason why we got to the, why we got to the playoffs. You, you know, during the, during the season, as short as it was, there were times where the offense was slumping, but he wasn't, and that's a huge thing. He came through in some huge moments for us during the regular season, so that cannot be overlooked either. Yeah, and quickly on Gonsolin, you know, he only gave up one run in that start. He obviously didn't have his stuff, but he kept the Dodgers in the game. He, he gave up the homer to a Rosarena and then gave up a couple more base runners, but was able to get out of the jam without more damage. And that is what the Dodgers pitchers did perfectly this postseason. We saw it with Kershaw. We saw it with uh, Dustin May. We saw it with Gonson. We saw it with others. They got into a little trouble, maybe gave up a run, uh, but then got out of the jam. Uh, Trinan did it in the NLCS. Uh, he came in. I forget who, who was pitching, uh, but Trinan came in and they got that crazy double play from Justin Turner. Uh, they did that so well this postseason. They, they limited the damage. Right. Yeah, that game was it – had, it had to have been a Dustin Mayer-Gonsolin start because he came in that game very early. Yeah. But – All right, we got our first question, and this is kind of the perfect way to transition our way out of the World Series and then move towards the 
last couple topics we have saved. But this one comes from McKenna at 22 Greybird. In regards to the so-called asterisk for the season, do you guys think it should be an asterisk the other way, meaning this season was a hell of a lot harder with it being shorter, more mentally taxing, and all the pandemic protocols? I'll just say very quickly because I know David's pretty passionate about it. He did a, a nice little uh, Twitter rant video that you should go check out because that was, that was <laughs> awesome. Um, but I'll say this. If the Astros 2017 World Series title doesn't have an asterisk next to it, this one shouldn't either. And I don't think it, ha- I don't think it should have any asterisk anyway. I mean, we can all look at it as a proverbial one just, just to denote how difficult it was to get to where we got to and win the World Series. These are unprecedented times throughout Major League Baseball. And you pointed it out, David, and I think we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. Everybody was on the same playing field. You know, you may have had some advantages or disadvantages depending on what division you were in, but everybody was on the same playing field. They all played 60 games. It was a really difficult ride to stay healthy. The Dodgers were pretty much, you know, healthy the entire year uh, in terms of uh, COVID-19. And then to go through the playoffs in these neutral sites, no home field advantage at all. The Dodgers only played two games at Dodger Stadium without any fans. And so to me, it's like that's as difficult as it gets. And so, yeah, if you're going to put an asterisk on this title, it should be to denote how difficult it was. However, I don't think any is necessary. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, this, is, this, this season was harder to win the World Series. It was. Uh, it disadvantaged the Dodgers from the gate. It disadvantaged good teams because good teams are built to last and they thrive in longer seasons. Uh, and when you add in teams to the playoffs, you add a round to the playoffs, you add the Corona sanctions, you add all the, you know, all these restrictions and no home field advantage. It was harder. Uh, so, so for the question, I, I mean, I would say, no, it's just a regular championship. Uh, you know, it's, it was harder. Yes. But I don't think there should be any kind of asterisk uh, either, either direction. I think the Dodgers just earned the world series period. And it's, that's, that's the end of that debate. Yeah. I'm on the same page. No asterisk next to this trophy. My two comments are the first one, all the Padres fans out there trying to say this World Series doesn't count. Shut up. First of all, your team won 39 games in total when first counting of all, the postseason. Win, win one. Win one. And under any circumstance, win yeah, one. You can't, you can't have a, a parade the size of a Disneyland you know, celebration after the wild card game and then go cry about, oh, this season doesn't count. That doesn't line up. Be consistent. All these teams are crying, but if they were in the Dodgers position, they'd be the ones celebrating. So I just don't pay attention to these, these fools. Uh, of course it counts. These Padres fans need to just stop. So to carry over the thought, Padres <laughs> fans just got to – Thank their lucky stars they made the postseason to begin with because I realistically believe they weren't going to make it in a 162-game season because they were about to lose Mike Clevenger and Lamont for likely the rest of the season. I don't care if they pitched bullpen sessions. Those guys' elbows and whatever were about to fall off. On top of that, Kirby Yates was out. So I don't care. You, you guys won 39 games in total and, got of the, and then you got swept in the NLDS by the Dodgers. And you almost got beat by the Cardinals. Exactly. So, and the second thought is no asterisk. Obviously, I just said that. But of all the World Series trophies that were won, 
this has to be considered one of the most difficult paths to ever win. I'm, I mean, I'm talking as a one seed, you had to face an eight seed in a best of three series. That's never been done before. And then they had to go to a neutral site out in Texas at a ballpark they were hardly familiar with, with no Dodger fans for the first round. And let's not sell the dimensions short. This ballpark was massive. It was an ultimate pitcher's park. You had to have true power to hit the ball out. So, I mean, look, and look at it. The Dodgers beat the Padres, who technically had the second best record in the National League. They beat the Braves, who were the two seed, and they beat the Tampa Bay Rays, who were the one seed in the American League. So every team that the Dodgers beat, I don't want this to be considered like a Disneyland trophy or whatever they're calling it. They beat legitimate teams and convincingly. And also, like, let's, let's put, you know, let's put things into context here. The best teams in both leagues, both had to go through a best of three series. I mean, that is a do or die scenario. And you had good teams get knocked out in the first round by lesser teams. Like you had the Astros knock out the twins. So to me, that makes it as, as difficult as it gets. You cannot have any mistakes in three games. Like that is, you know, what needs, what everyone needs to be looking at here. And I want to say one thing before I forget the NLCS, the ALCS, when you went to a best of seven, you didn't get a day off. You had to play seven consecutive days in a row. So the, that forced Dave Roberts to manage a style he's never done before. You had to be very creative with who you started, who you used, and the fact that the Dodgers had a three-to-one deficit and won three straight, no rest. That just makes this championship even more worthy. Yeah, that, this, this discussion needs to end. It's, it's, there's no fluke here. This is a well-earned title period anyone else who says otherwise is just salty on a lighter note this is coming for me i don't care what moment it is but i want each of you to state what your favorite moment of the postseason was it could be anything i mean it's tough it's tough to pick one but i'm gonna pick three uh my first one was when in the wild card round, when Kershaw pitched his eight innings, uh, he looked at Dave Roberts and told him, no, you're not taking me out right now, uh, and stayed in the game and finished the eighth inning. Uh, my second one would be the Will Smith home run off Will Smith. Uh, it felt like the Dodgers were dead at that point, uh, and basically Smith you know, brought us back to life. And then my third moment, I mean, it's tough because the Kike and Bellinger home runs were so good, but for the World Series moment, I mean, you got to just – I, I got to say when, when you see Kershaw after the final out uh, finally put his hands up and, and close his eyes and realize he's a champion. Go ahead, Kevin. All right. I'm glad you didn't say mine. Mine is not the final out of the World Series, but it's actually in the NLDS. Game two. Bruce Star Gratterall on the mound facing yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. I forget how many men were on base, but I know it was pivotal because whatever it was, it was going to put the Padres ahead, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Fly ball to dead center field. Cody Bellinger able to balance himself up, puts one arm on the wall, uses the other, his glove to catch the ball, robs Tatis Jr. of the home run. You see Gratterall throw his hat in celebration, disbelief, and then he does his little hype man gesture. And then on the other side, you got Manny Machado looking like a clown, 
after earlier in that game, uh, does a bat flip, bat flip drop, whatever, solo home run off Machado, and they were still down quite a few runs. This circumstance, he was crying and yelling at Gratterall, like, it's like, come on, man. Just that's me saying that. Come on, man. Let, you want the kids to play or whatever. Don't look like an ass of yourself yelling at a man just because he throws his hat up in celebration. There's way worse ways to taunt someone. So I love that moment, especially because it was against the Padres. I'm sure everyone in Slam Diego just had their heart drop and was in disbelief. Yeah, my my favorite moments are, again, the Cody Bellinger catch. It just changed the entire trajectory of that series and that game. Because if he doesn't make that catch, the Padres pull ahead and they gain that momentum and you know their dugout would have exploded and you don't know what would have happened in you know the innings to follow. The Dodgers could have come back and won that game, but to make that catch at that moment was just pure perfection. Another moment that we've we've talked about are the catches that Mookie Betts made in this series, uh, in not only in the NLCS but in the World Series, but specifically in the NLCS against the Braves. That shoestring catch that he made. Um, and, and then the subsequent just absolute blunder, uh, that was the Braves base running, uh, where Marcelo Zuna left third base too early. I mean, that, that just says it all right there. I mean, that was a huge moment in that game and to keep the score right where it was at that moment helped the Dodgers because they, you know, came back in the, in the following innings and were, and were able to, to take the lead and, and take control. And then the, the Justin Turner uh, double play uh, that, that was against the, the Braves is just, I mean, an iconic play. Because even though the Braves, you know, didn't run the base as well, that play was really difficult. I mean, Justin Turner, full extension, makes the tag. He's able to get up, have the presence of mind to throw a strike to Corey Seager at third to get the runner out there. And that was the ball game, ladies and gentlemen. There were so many of those moments where pitchers were walking tightropes for the Dodgers and they were able to get out of these sticky situations. Uh, Blake Trinan, Dustin May, Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw all had these moments where the game could have gotten out of hand, but they buckled down, they bared down, and, and they got the job done. And then the final out, I think I'm with David on this one. The final out was just pure joy and pure elation. Good stuff. This seems like a long time ago, but there was a regular season. So I just want to touch upon this really quick. The Dodgers only lost one series the entire 2020 campaign. It was one time to the Rockies, and they were very convincing the entire regular season. It's great to see they capped it, out, capped it off with the World Series trophy. We swept the Angels four games. You know, we convincingly beat the Padres for the most part. There were a couple heartbreak losses. But, you know, we matched up well against the Oakland Athletics. A.J. Pollock, as Jake had mentioned, he had a great regular season, so we don't want to forget about that. Mookie Betts and Corey Seager were great. And even though Bellinger and Muncie were kind of slow, they really stepped it up in the postseason. So if there's anything you want to add about our regular season real quick, go for it. And then we'll do the off season to end the show. Now, the only thing I, I really got to say is, my favorite is people saying that, oh, well, this is it for the Dodgers. And they don't realize that the Dodgers are only going to get better. 
Uh, we haven't even seen one Dustin May fully unleashed, two Tony Gonsolin fully unleashed, three Josiah Gray at all, four Gavin Lux at all, uh, and and DJ Peters and a ton of other guys who we haven't even seen. McKinstry, Jack, there's you can't even name them all, otherwise we'd be here all day. Uh, it's it's comical to me that they that they say that this Dodgers team is going to be a one and done. Uh, haven't even seen David Price pitch yet. Uh, who knows what they're going to do in free agency, but I think that's our next topic, so I'll, I'll wait for that. But, uh, you know, this team is not going away, and you can take that to the bank. They will be back. Yeah, I mean, just the, the regular season was obviously unlike no other regular season we've seen before, but as easy as, the, as people want to, you know, think that this was for the Dodgers – you still got to go out there and win. You got to go out there, compete, and you got to get the job done. And they did that and they were the best team. And so they, they, they proved that in the playoffs and you know, you, you really see what a team is made of when their backs up are against the wall and they're facing adversity and they're facing the brink of elimination. You see how great teams are. And the Dodgers weren't just a great regular season team, which is the knock that they've gotten the past couple of years is that they get the best record in baseball, but can't do it in the postseason. Well, this team was different. And it's going to be different from here on out because um, I don't know about you guys, but is Mookie Betts going anywhere? Like, like this, we have this guy for yeah, the I rest think of his career. To a big contract, I, I can't remember. Yeah, so spare me. So this comes from another great listener. We're gonna save the off-season stuff for a little bit later. So this will be kind of a light. We're dipping our toes into the shallow end of the pool because. There's just going to be a lot to talk about, but we'll keep it quick. As far as the free agents for our Dodgers, which ones do you see them re-signing? And this comes from Ray Coyoza, 1982. So the free agents, I'll read them off real quick. There's seven of them. Jock Peterson, Kike Hernandez, Justin Turner, Jake McGee, Pedro Baez, Blake Trinan, and Alex Wood. Well, okay, and just first thoughts, I, I don't think Turner's going anywhere. Uh, I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I don't think they want him to go anywhere. So I think that's a safe bet to return. Uh, secondly, I you know this this is going to be an interesting free agency because we don't know how this how this financial you know losses for MLB is going to affect uh, you know teams' willingness to spend. Uh, so ideally, they can keep Blake Trinan. Uh, he was their best reliever all year. Uh, he was vital to the World Series success. Hopefully, you know, Dave Roberts didn't Brandon Morrow him into an injury. Uh, but, you know, if, they're, if they can keep him, they will. Uh, and as for the fan favorites, Kike Hernandez and Jock Peterson, I, I think they've played their last games in Dodgers Blue. Uh, I think someone's going to pay Jock, and Kike deserves to be paid as well. Uh, and I don't think the Dodgers, with their depth, are going to be the team to do it. Uh, I could see Baez coming back. Uh, and you know, I, I think Turner is the only one I'm, I'm safe to say is, is going to be back. Yeah. I, th- I tend to agree with David on this one. I think Turner definitely will be back. I really hope he does. I hope he retires as a Dodger. He deserves to be a local guy finally won a world series. So I, you know, he's, he, he's got his roots here. He's, you know, his wife is here and, and, you know, they've got a really good thing going in terms of his, you know, influence in the community. So I think there's, uh, you know, every reason points to him, staying in Los Angeles. Now, in terms of Jock Peterson, I think he's going to get a really good deal because he would be a starting outfielder, everyday outfielder on any team uh, besides this one. And I think he could really thrive in an American, in an American league team if they don't 
keep the DH in both leagues um, because then you can, you know, you can have him have, have that extra bat in the lineup. Um, I think though, I, I don't see KK Hernandez getting that big of a contract. I, I just, we've seen, we've seen him as an everyday player and he's just not that. So how much are you really going to pay for, you know, a guy coming off the bench? Uh, I just don't see him getting that big of a deal. He could be back if they don't, um, you know, if, if he doesn't get, get a big contract somewhere else, I just don't see him getting that big of a, big of a deal. I think Jake McGee's gone. Uh, he was nice, but he wasn't great. Um, and I really do hope they, they, they keep Trinan because to have Trinan and Gratterall, um, it would be a great transition, you know, for whatever happens with Kenley, just to have those guys there knowing that you have those guys in those, in those high leverage spots. Yeah. Yeah, this is, I'll keep it simple. As of the moment of this recording, the DH is gone for the 2021 season. Do the Dodgers bring back Justin Turner? I mean, personally, I think as fans, we want to see him back, but I don't know if he honestly will fit the mold next season. Maybe he has to be reduced to like a veteran David Freeze type of role, and he's not eligible for the qualifying offer. I don't think any of these guys are actually going to receive it from the Dodgers. Turner isn't eligible because he rejected it when he was a free agent last time in 2016 or 17. Uh, The guy I think we're going to get stuck with is Pedro Baez. Whether you like him or not, he's cheap labor. No one's going to pay him a lot of money. The Dodgers just seem to, and Roberts for that matter, just seem to love this guy. So I think they can bring him back easily on. I mean, if you use Baez right, he's good. Like, you know, just just don't. It's just where you use him. Yeah. So cheap labor probably gets 5 million annually or so. Sadly, I don't think Blake Trinan is coming back. I think he pitched himself into a great spot where a lot of teams are going to be bidding for him. So Andrew Friedman is one to typically not pay relievers, and there are definitely a lot of arms, which we'll talk about another time, that are sitting out there. So, you know, he's not as hard-pressed now to win a World Series. Like, that was what the Friedman goal was to win a World Series. And if he let Brandon Morrow walk, then I don't see how it's any different that he will probably let Blake Trennan walk but we can save that discussion for another time I think it's time to wrap this up and go to our final thoughts you know this is it we don't have any more games to talk about till spring training we're gonna have some off-season specials and all that stuff as the news comes our way but you know you're not gonna hear from us demanding to fire Dave Roberts anytime soon you know he's there to stay he did his job Andrew Friedman has assembled a juggernaut, as David said, the Dodgers aren't going away anytime soon. There are a lot of great up-and-comers, and we didn't even talk about Kybert Ruiz. He'll be a name to keep your eye out on behind the plate, too. So, final thoughts time. Here we go. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Basically, all I got to say is they did it. They finally did it. Uh, they earned this title. Every single player contributed, uh, and they're not going away. They're just not. Uh, this team showed it has heart. They came back from 3-1 to one in the NLCS. Uh, they have leaders on this team. They have contributors, big and small. Uh, they played like a team. Dave Roberts managed a, overall with, you know, one or two exceptions, a great postseason. Uh, and what else can you ask for? I mean, they finally did it. The demons of 1988 and 2017 are gone. Uh, and I am so excited to see, you know, how this team can build on it. I, I honestly think... This could, this could be the start of a dynasty. 
like I said, I'm so excited about these young guys. I'm excited to see what they can do in free agency, keep retain a couple guys, maybe add one. Uh, but overall, I'm, I'm just thrilled. Uh, we've, we've all needed this for a long time and, and we all got it. So if you're out there, just enjoy it, savor it. Uh, we've got the whole off season to be champions. Uh, no one can ever take this away. Yeah. This is, the, this is the best Dodgers team we've seen in our lifetime. It is an absolute, just full machine. And, they got contributions from everybody. They finally did it. It was such a relief. Um, like we were saying earlier, all you need to look at is just the replay of Kershaw and him realizing what had just happened. I think we were all on board with that. So happy that he finally got a championship, that Justin Turner got a championship, that Kenley Jansen got a championship. All these guys that have been there the longest. I'm happy for Dave Roberts. We'll give him credit you know, where credit is due and we'll criticize him when he deserves to be criticized. And there were a lot of moments where he did deserve that, but there were also a lot of moments where he shined and he was surgical and he yeah. pulled the right levers and yeah. he was aggressive in the right spots. And that's the kind of stuff that you have to think about that, he's, that you know that he's capable of doing. And, and, and that's great to see because that, that means growth, I think, uh, in, in terms of him. And I'll leave you guys with this with this final thought. And I know you guys didn't, maybe didn't tweet this, but you certainly said it in our, in our group chat. And I'm sorry to out you like this, but after game four, I distinctly remember you guys saying that this series was over and that the Dodgers were going to lose after getting crushed and just demoralized in game four when the wheels came off. And I just want to shove it in your faces because (laughs) I was the one to say, Nope, if we can't beat the Rays two more times, we don't deserve to be there. And what did Kershaw come and do in game five? He absolutely did his job and dominated, and we won, and we were back in the series. We closed it out in game six. So that just goes to show you that even when the fans count this team out, they're able to overcome that, and they did that twice in this postseason, the first time coming back from a 3-1 deficit in the NLCS. So I just want to leave you with that. And – Super happy about how this turned out. Can I get a quick rebuttal? Please, the defense. Look, you can't take anything I say within two hours of a Dodgers loss seriously. You just can't. <laughs> uh, you know, it's emotional. It's the, the, you know, emotions are running hot. Uh, I've been, we've all been through Dodgers trauma before. So this is my official statement saying if the Dodgers have just lost a playoff game, I'm not responsible for my words for the next two to three hours. That's rich. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, wrap us up. All right. My final thoughts are this. The Dodgers are 2020 World Series champions, and ain't nobody going to take that away from us. And guess what? We're coming back for more because I think I'm also on the same page. The dynasty has just begun. Honestly, you can call it a losing dynasty, but I think the dynasty has already started years ago. But now we have a ring. And I don't think this is the last one. We're coming for you, Giants. We're going to excel and dominate the decade, unlike you guys this go around. (laughs) Thank you all for listening to The Incline. Thank you for tuning in all season long. And we're out. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.